you hear me? Test, test, test. <laughs> yeah. If you would open your Bibles, please, to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to read a little bit from there. You might have a Kindle or some kind of electronic device as well. Those are allowed. As long as you stay on task, stick to the word. 2 Corinthians 5, we're going to start in verse 9 and read through the end of the chapter. Therefore also we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. What a great place to start. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest to God, and I hope that we are made manifest also in your conscience. We are not again commending ourselves to you, but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us, that you may have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. If we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we're of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no man according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. What a great verse. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were entreating through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would open your word to us this morning. We just acknowledge that without you we are nothing but in you, O Lord. We have so many riches and realities that we can barely comprehend. We pray you'd give us grace this morning to hear your word, and we ask that the Holy Spirit would um, apply it as he wills in each of our hearts. We just commit this time to you, Lord, in Jesus' wonderful name, amen. I want to speak this morning with this title or this thought in mind, and that is 
That is, there we go, A New Identity and a New Enterprise. That's the title of this message. In this passage, we see the Apostle Paul defending his apostleship. He's already written a letter to the Corinthians. They've, they've repented and done things well. But since Paul's absence, other apostles or other false teachers have come along and, and made accusations about his apostleship, his call, his commission to spread the gospel with authority. These false teachers came in and they claimed Paul was fickle, that he was proud, that he was unimpressive in speech and appearance, that he was dishonest and unqualified as an apostle. Paul could certainly have been tempted to um, agree with some of these accusations. After all, he said of himself in several other places that he was the, the last of the apostles, the least of the apostles, one untimely born, the chief of sinners, and in one place he even said, I am a nobody. He even had a physical illness, didn't he, that he was embarrassed about and it troubled him and he sought the Lord three times to remove it, but God said, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Yeah, he could have cycled down into self-deprecation and self-doubt and deep depression under the weight of and partial truth of these false teachers' accusations. Have you ever been there? Ever been accused of some stuff, and there's just a little bit of truth to it, um, and uh, you're so tempted, and often we do just cycle down into uh, just a place of depression and freezing. And yet, Paul didn't do that, did he? He went to war. Instead, he cracks himself open, as it were, to the Corinthian church and reveals what one writer calls the anatomy of an apostle. Isn't that beautiful? The anatomy of an apostle. What motivates him? What drives him? How he sees himself? That is, his very identity in Christ. I want to focus in on that new identity this morning and say that this was not only Paul's identity in Christ, but this is our identity in Christ as well. Yes, Paul had a special commission. He was God's man in God's time for that point in history, in the history of the church. But your commission is just like his. Our identity in Christ is just like his. And I want to share that with you. The very components of his identity in Christ should comprise our identity as well. He himself said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Amen? He said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And we too are new cre creations in Christ, aren't we? Just like he was. Peter, another one of the apostles, was addressing the common believer when he said, you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a people of God's own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. How many would agree with me that one of the most difficult tasks we face as believers is to apprehend and really believe who Christ has made us? Would anybody agree with that? Just 
it's so difficult to apprehend what God has made us through Jesus Christ. Who does the word say that we are, or what does the word say that we are? The first scripture I thought of was the one about, you have been bought with a price, you are not your own. Just let that sink in. I mean, it's one thing to just say that, it's one thing to think it, but to emotionally register that and believe that, that you do not belong to you. You belong to another. Begins to reorient your identity right away. Another reality is we have power, the power of the living God within us. But all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gives power to become the children of God. If that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, then he will quicken your mortal body. But you will receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We have the power of God, access and resident within us. Can you believe that? We're called sons and daughters of God, heirs of salvation and joint heirs with Christ. Amazing. Amazing. We're conscripted as soldiers of Christ. We are slaves of God. We are stewards of the mysteries of God. These are, it's too much. It's just too much. And yet it goes on. Just like Paul in this passage, we are new creations in Christ. We are reconcilers. We are ambassadors, or I'm going to shift that word in our case, to representatives of the kingdom of God. I'll talk about that later. And we are the righteousness of God in Christ. So let me ask you, you guys, are these just words that are meant to inspire us or build up our self-esteem or flatter us? Or are these words true? It's hard to take in, but if we're going to believe that this is who we are in Jesus Christ, then we'd better get busy, I think, laying aside the old man and putting on the new man. In Colossians 3, 9, and 10, we read, Lay aside the old man with its evil practices and put on the new man who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. My goal this morning is that we would cultivate that mentality in ourselves, that new man mentality. We wouldn't just say, I'm just Jim, or I'm just Dallas, or I'm just a mom, or I'm just this, or I'm just that, but we would put on that new man. We would put on that new identity in Christ. Now, we're not talking about self-aggrandizement or self building up the self. We know that we're nothing without Christ. Amen? But we're talking about not dishonoring what He has made us. That's what we're talking about. Not dishonoring, not thinking less than what He has made us. So let's take a look at this new identity in Christ in our passage. The new man is, first of all, a new creation. 
Verse 17, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. My Bible notes tell me that there are two Greek words for new. One is neos, which means younger as opposed to older. Uh, This word is new here is not saying that you're a younger and stronger you or a remodel of the old you or even an extreme makeover of the existing you. No, the word new here means a new form, a new quality, a different nature, a creative act, a new creation. One, um, one preacher tells this story. He says a man was selling an old warehouse The building had been empty for months and needed repairs. Gangs had damaged the doors, smashed the windows, and thrown trash everywhere. As he showed a prospective buyer the property, he took pains to say that he would replace the broken windows, bring in a crew to correct any structural damage, and clean out the garbage. The buyer simply smiled and said, forget about the repairs. When I buy this place, I'm going to build something completely different. I don't want the building, I want the site. A little bit of analogy, not perfect, but a good illustration of this new creation. Another man writes, when a man, woman, boy, or girl believes on the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, the following list of attributes is granted to them instantly. The new believer will not be aware of many of these things until gaining some spiritual maturity and growth in the Word of God. But these blessings are theirs, regardless of their knowledge about them. And he lists 53 uh, blessings that become ours when we receive Christ. I'll just read a few of them. We become a child of God. We get a heavenly citizenship. We're heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus. We're sanctified. We are accepted in the beloved. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? Accepted in the beloved. We're baptized in the body of Christ. We have eternal life. We have peace with God. We become a friend of God. We get in the Lamb's book of life, and so on. The new man is first a new creation. Second, The new man has a new motivation. Look at verses 14 and 15 in our passage. It says, For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. I want you to note, the beginning of verse 14 there, for the love of God, uh, excuse me, the love of Christ controls us. That's an interesting phrase that can have as many as three different meanings. The first meaning is that Paul's love for Christ controls him. It was Paul's love. Christ is the object of his love. And so it was Paul's love who was, was controlling him. A second meaning is that it's God's love in Paul. It's the love of Christ within me, working within me, that controls me. 
I personally like that translate or that understanding and agree with that. A third meaning is is it's the love of Christ within me working such that I can no longer live for myself, but I live for others. I like that too. Coupling verse 14 with verse 15. I remember teaching on this verse one time before, and I talked about the phrase for control propels us from within. Propels like, a, like an inboard uh, motor on a speedboat. That motor is inside and it's propelling, it's pushing us. Ralph P. Martin in the Word Bible Commentary says that the word controls is from the Greek word sunexai, which means hold in one's grip, to compel, to control, to exert domination, to leave no choice. He says the love of God so claimed Paul, he couldn't live for himself. Laura and I knew a, a doctor, I've used, told you this line before, but he wrote a book, Dr. Hilficker, and in the book he said, in my soul I want to be an, a, a hermit, but in my spirit I have to serve. In my spirit I have to serve. That love of Christ that controls us and pushes us from within. So the new man is a new creation. The new man has a new motivation. And third... The new man has a new mindset. I love this one. Look at verse 16. Paul writes, therefore from, now, no, uh, therefore, from now on, we recognize no man according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. You know, when we interact with people out in the community, we have a choice about how we see them. We can see them through the eyes of flesh. This is, just, this is just a service man who's coming to fix my refrigerator. That's all it is. I don't need to witness to him, or I don't have any concern for his soul. I've contracted him to do a job. I'm going to pay him money. He's going to feed his family, and that's that. But Paul says he doesn't, in this identity in Christ, he doesn't see any man simply according to the flesh. He doesn't see people that way any longer. He sees each person, I believe, as a precious soul for whom Christ died. He's got a different mindset, a different set of eyes, a different vision. A serviceman who comes to our home, a grocery store clerk, an elderly person, a boy or girl with no father or mother. It's important that we see people through the eyes of Christ. I've been thinking of that verse lately, uh, Philippians 2.13, that says, um, but it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. And I've just made a decision. I know that verse is referring to Christians, but I have just made a decision that I choose to believe that God is at work in every person I encounter. And that I need to see that person as best I can through, through the Lord's eyes. I need to be asking, God, what are you doing with this person? How can I contribute? How can I advance your kingdom? 
as I encounter this person. Help me not to be distracted, but just to focus on this person who's in front of me. This is a person for whom Christ has died, and God is always at work in people. We are a new creation. We have a new motivation. We have a new mindset. Number four, we have a new nature. Look at um, the last verse of this passage, verse 21. He, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I remember in seminary studying um, a couple of theological terms, imputed and imparted. Um, Imputed means um, you are, as a believer, you are declared righteous by God under the blood of Christ. His righteousness is credited to your account. You are declared righteous righteous. That's the word imputed. The word imparted is also ours as we are in Christ. That word means that his nature, his, actually his nature is imparted to us. His righteousness is put inside us. We are changed and we become slaves of righteousness. I want to flip over to Romans chapter 6, and just read three verses, uh, Romans 6, 17, 18, and 22, talking about becoming a slave of righteousness. It says this, but thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed, and having been freed from sin, you became Slaves of righteousness. But now having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit, resulting in sanctification and the outcome, eternal life. I remember someone back years ago in BASIC, um, one of the young ladies in BASIC saying that uh, she'd heard a teaching in her church that we are lovers of God who struggle against sin rather than lovers of sin who struggle to love God. Which way do you think of yourself? Which way do you think the Bible wants you to think of yourself? I think it's the first way, that you are a new creation, that you have a new motivation, a new mindset, and also a new nature, and that you now are a lover of God who struggles sometimes with sin, but you are not a lover of sin who struggles to love God. How we view ourselves is very, very important. So the new man is a new creation, a new, has a new motivation, a new mindset, a new nature. And number five, a new purpose. Let's look at 2 Corinthians five eighteen and 19. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word 
of reconciliation. You might say, but Jim, I'm, I'm not adequate. I'm not adequate to be a minister, uh, a reconciler. What scripture comes to mind to some of you, perhaps? It's the same one. Anybody? Not our adequacy, but God's adequacy. That's just a few chapters back in chapter 3, starting in verse 4, where Paul says, And such confidence we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. He has committed to us. This is how our commission is like Paul's, is he has committed to us that word of reconciliation. I don't know about you, but if I were ever in a place where I was the only Christian, I, I, would, I hope that I would respond with a determination to advance the interests of the kingdom of God in that situation, that I would be the influencer more than the influenced, and that I would carry forth the calling to which we've been called. Number six, we just have two more. Paul had a new status. Let's look at, um, at verse 20. He's describing his apostleship, and he says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were entreating through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. I researched this term ambassador, both in the Greek and in the English. Um, in the Greek, it has uh, two or perhaps three meanings. The first meaning is a person who is elderly or aged or seasoned or experienced. That's the first meaning of ambassador. The second means of high rank. And I think this is the way Paul was using this description of himself. A person of high rank in the kingdom of God. A third and perhaps lesser meaning is that of representation, of being an emissary um, in whatever field you've been named an ambassador. Here's what I want to say. Even though we are not all aged, even though we are not all of high rank in the kingdom of God, nevertheless, we are all representatives of the one to whom we have staked our lives. Amen? We represent him. People watch us. We, uh, we carry his presence into the room with us and his example. Now, if you look up, it's interesting studying about ambassadors and kind of the history of ambassadors in the world. Do you know what the full title of an ambassador is? Let me make sure I get it right here. Ambassadors across the world have historically had the full title Ambassador Exemplary and plenipotentiary. Exemplary and plenipotentiary. Let me describe what those words mean. Exemplary means worthy of imitation, commendable, exemplary behavior, serving as a model, serving as an illustration or typical of the group that they represent, serving as a warning, 
admonitory. And I was thinking about that. Some, um, in some of my relationships with unsaved family members, I think that I am that. I think that prophetically, the Lord makes me a warning. Uh, it's not completely comfortable. Uh, do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, it's, it, there's a bit of an edge there. There's a bit of a warning as well as invitation and comfort and drawing. Plenipotentiary means invested with or conferred with full powers. Imagine, you know, a hundred years ago, if you were an ambassador in another country and something came up, you needed the full power to act for your government because you couldn't instantly communicate um, with them. Now, that's changed, where you can instantly uh, communicate with your government. But uh, that's where that term plenipotentiary comes from. One fully authorized to represent his or her government. Paul was an ambassador. I think it's perhaps, um, perhaps we should be comfortable with that term, but I'm going to use the term representative. We are all representatives of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The last um, part of Paul's identity that he reveals is in verse 9. Therefore also we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. We are a new creation. We have a new motivation, a new mindset, a new nature, a new purpose, a new status. And now we read that we have a new ambition. Ambition in the Bible is usually a negative thing, isn't it? But here, the word ambition is promoted. Will we be, I want to ask this question, will we be ambitious for Christ? What would that look like? Well, I think it would be, mean that our, our core drive is to please him in all things, just as Paul has said. We'd be ambitious to lay aside the old man and put on the new. We'd be ambitious to have that new mindset that sees people as precious souls that God is working on. We would see ourselves as ministers of reconciliation. We would see ourselves as ambassadors for Christ or representatives of Christ. We would make decisions that we will not waste our lives on sin any longer. It's beneath our status and our nature as ambassadors. So I want to conclude by saying we have a new enterprise. We have this new identity and we have a new enterprise. In verse 18, the first phrase is, now all these things are from God. I want to emphasize again we're not puffing ourselves up. We're not talking about a self-exaltation here, but rather a robust response to what Christ has done and what Christ has made us. And uh, recognizing that all these things are from God. I want to read one more scripture. This is in um, 2 Corinthians 2, 
verse 14 through 16 or 17. This is who you are, saints. Thanks be to God who always leads us in his triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one an aroma from death to death, to the other an aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? For we are not like many, peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, but as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. You know, in, in the wake of the killing of Osama bin Laden, I was watching the news and they were interviewing a former SEAL team leader and asking him about, asking him about the intensity of a mission like that and what goes through your mind and, um, when, you're, when you're doing a, a mission like that. And he had a surprising response to me. He said, it's incredibly simple and peaceful. He said, life is simplified because all the distractions are gone and it's just about the mission and the man beside you. And I thought, that's like our focus ought to be in the kingdom of God. The distractions push to the side. It's about our mission and the man beside us whether that's a brother or sister in Christ that we're standing shoulder to shoulder with, or whether that's the person in front of us to whom we are trying to, to entreat them to be reconciled to God. Isn't that a, a, profound, um, a profound vision? This week, I think it was this week or maybe late last week, I, out of curiosity, I went online to see if you could still get uh, these little gusty uh, presentations of the gospel. And I found Don Woods' website. How many of you remember Don Woods, Channel 8 uh, news guy for 35 years? I was reading a little of his history. He started at Channel 8 in 1954. That was two years before I was born. And uh, was the meteorologist there for, for about 35 years. And he and Chuck Farah made up this little gospel presentation that I personally think is the best that I've ever seen. Well, sure enough, you can order them in boxes of 50 for, for just shipping. And so I took the liberty on behalf of the church to ask Debbie to order 250 of them. Uh, those have arrived. They're out in the North Foyer. A hundred of them are in Spanish. And I want to ask you to challenge yourself, pick up at least one of these and give it away this week. You can have it in your car, you can have it um, next to your front door if, you, if a serviceman comes, you can have it in your purse. Just, um, you know, if it's hard for you to just kind of say something like, do you know Jesus loves you? You can always say, hey, uh, do you remember Don Woods, Channel 8 News? And, and uh, he did a little gospel presentation that I just loved. Um, I don't know if you're a spiritual person or not. I don't know if you know the Lord. But would you take this and look it over and see if you're as impressed as I am? 
And uh, if you don't like it, just hand it off to somebody else who you think would. Um, you know, you don't, you don't have to be super aggressive. You can, you can do this. You can do this. Also, I've asked Debbie to put out on the table out there um, this little uh, thing that we've produced called Are You Rooted in a Church? And it just simply is a little presentation of our church and the times that we meet. So maybe, maybe handing Augusti out would be a little bit too threatening. You could just have this and say, hey, I just want to invite you to church if you don't have a church. So uh, would you do that, you guys? We are ministers of reconciliation, amen? We are ambassadors for Christ, representatives of his kingdom. As an ambassador, our interest is to advance the interests of his great kingdom. And so let's do it. Let's be ambitious. Let's make it our ambition to please him in every possible way that we can. Would you stand and let's pray together in closing. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for this inside view of the heart of the Apostle Paul. We thank you that he cracked himself open for us to see how he saw himself and as imitators how we should see ourselves. I thank you, Father, for this great verse about if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. We embrace that reality, Lord, that we, if we are in Christ, we are indeed new creations. Glory to God. We just thank you, Father. Thank you for a new motivation, Lord, that love of Christ within us that pushes us such that we can no longer live for ourselves. Thank you for that new mindset that wants to see people through your eyes, Lord, as people with whom God is at work, that their souls are precious. This is one for whom Christ died. Thank you for the new nature, Lord, slaves of righteousness. We pray for any who are battling a sin habit, Lord, um, in essence, a runaway slave right now. We pray that 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 habit would be broken in the name of Jesus and that that person would walk as that ambassador. Thank you for that new purpose of reconciling the new status of being a representative of Jesus Christ in his kingdom. And thank you for this new ambition. Lord, help us to fully embrace this new man, to put it on, as the Bible says and to lay aside the old man. May we be pleasing to you today, Lord. We just ask for today that we would be pleasing to you. Give us the words, Lord, to share these gusty tracks. Give us the words to talk to people about the love of God. Give us the words to invite people to church. And we will give you all the praise and all the glory. Thank you for making us adequate ministers of a new covenant. In Jesus' name, we pray and believe. Amen.